Hey, Emily, guess what I'm looking forward to? If I had to guess, I'd say your next meal. Well, true that. But even more than that, I'm looking forward to our annual Being Boss vacation in New Orleans. Same. We still have a handful of tickets left. So if you've been wanting to join us on our annual Being Boss vacation in New Orleans, consider this your sign to join us for a live podcast recording, masterclasses and workshops, and an epic boss celebration, and more with me, Kathleen, and your creative peers from all over the world. In the most magical city in the world, right? Yes. All right, the Being Boss Vacation is happening September 26th to the 28th in New Orleans. Go to beingboss.club slash NOLA for all the details. We hope to see you there. Hello and welcome to Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. I'm Emily Thompson. And I'm Kathleen Shannon. What's up, bosses? It's just me and Emily here today, and we are talking all about digital boundaries. It's a topic that has been top of mind for us, and we're going to dig in. As always, you can find all the tools, books, and links we reference on the show notes at beingboss.club. As entrepreneurs and bosses, it can feel like we have to do everything and be everything our business needs in order to be successful. There's nothing wrong with learning new skills and educating yourself, but it's also important to know when to replace or supplement your effort with useful tools. Take accounting. It needs your attention on the regular to ensure your books are in order. Packing spreadsheets with numbers and shoeboxes full of receipts might get the job done, but is it really the most efficient use of your time? Products like FreshBooks let you make better use of your time. FreshBooks is accounting software, which kind of sounds boring, but it's far from it. It's been designed with small, creative business owners just like you in mind. It's not designed for accountants. That means it's super easy to use for things like invoicing, time tracking, creating estimates, tracking expenses, late payment reminders, project collaboration, online payments, and so much more. So stop freaking out about money and get organized. FreshBooks is a time-saving business tool you've been looking for. To get a free 30-day trial of FreshBooks right now, go to freshbooks.com slash beingboss and enter beingboss in the how did you hear about us section. All right. I'm super excited about talking about digital boundaries today because it is something that we have been thinking about and talking about a whole lot, but the world is changing a whole lot in terms of digital boundaries and making sure that you are protected and that your information is protected because I think we've all realized that it hasn't in the past actually been protected at all. Um, However, you or I aren't the kind of people who are going to, you know, let Big Brother protect us. Sometimes we're going to protect ourselves, right? So we're going to be talking about what that looks like. Yeah, and there's like all the legal stuff. So we are in the middle of all of the GDPR, European Union, digital boundaries that are being enforced upon us to be more transparent. And we'll get a little bit into that. We're in the middle of it. But today, what we're really talking about is kind of the digital boundaries that we've had to enforce or impose around ourselves as people who have grown up on the edge of living our lives online. Like it was not too long ago. I just saw a meme the other day that said, 
Um, remember how people used to say BRB, which was be right back. Whenever you would step away from your AOL chat, you would say BRB to let people know that you were getting up and leaving. And now we're never gone. Our phones are in our hands and we are connected basically 100% of the time. So I feel like we're having to really reassess where we draw the line. What is quote unquote real life whenever it comes to being online and being offline? And it really is having us or especially me right now, I don't know if I'm getting old or if I'm getting freaked out or what the deal is, but I'm really feeling like I need to redefine what my boundaries are and really draw the line to protect what I what it is I really want to be creating and nurturing, but also like really around defending my work, my energy, and my resources from anything that might distract or compromise what I'm trying to create. And there are so many reasons to create some boundaries, right? I mean, I think we can all agree that having a phone, having, you know, a smartphone in your hand gives you access to so many great things. So many great things. I mean, they're definitely a tool. I'm glad I have one. All the things. However, I think we all also feel like we're a little too tethered to our phones at time. And, you know, I quite often wish for a day or a week where where I don't have a phone in my hands or where, you know, I'm not being targeted with an ad because I talked about something earlier that day or whatever sort of creepy thing it may be. I think that technology is beginning to encroach on our lives more and more. And I think it's important to step back occasionally, look at where you are aligned with the technology in your life and make sure that uh, that those lines fall where you want them to so that you're not getting too caught up in it. And for the purpose of being able to show up and do the work. All too often, you know, I walk into my sauna place occasionally and the girl at the front desk is just scrolling her Facebook And whenever I see things like that at places of business, I know that a line needs to be drawn. Um, So for us, we have lines. We're going to talk about them today with the hope that you guys are prompted to think about them as well if you haven't done it in a while or maybe if you've never done it at all. You know, it's so funny. Whenever we were writing the Being Boss book on our chapter on boundaries, we were like, whoa, we've talked about boundaries in so many terms, but sitting down and writing our thoughts on paper really made us think like, what are boundaries? And I think that they can really be especially vague or, you know, gray whenever it comes to the online world, because I don't know, there's something about online, like you can't just put up a fence, right? It's so different than what we've experienced offline, like whenever it comes to drawing boundaries, you know, uh, even in our country, like a lot of times a river will denote a boundary between one state and another. So we ended up using a garden metaphor in our book to really define what it is that we want to nurture and what it is that we want to protect and from what. And we even created this cool like garden worksheet in our book to literally help you visualize your boundaries. So as we're discussing this today, I want you to try and think about it as specific as possible or as visual as possible or however you best learn. Apply these boundaries to your own scenarios and situations. We're going to be talking about our own boundaries and figuring out what it is that we where we want to draw that line. So starting off, Emily, where have you enforced digital boundaries so far? This could get long. <laughs> this 
could get long because this is something that I've thought about a whole lot. You know, as someone who does, who has lived literally the past decade on the internet, um, I have dove face first into what it's like to really attach myself to the digital world. And I found out very quickly that I needed to detach myself very consciously in a lot of ways in order to maintain a sense of myself and sort of health in general. I've learned that, you know, the longer I sit at this computer in a day, the worse my headache will get. Or, um, or for me, it's information overload or having people constantly be able to contact me and expect responses, those sorts of things. So for a long time, I've had some pretty hardcore digital boundaries in place, even before it was kind of a cool thing to do. Like now digital sabbaticals are a thing, like people un- will um, un not unplug their phone, but I guess turn their phone off for a couple of weeks or a month. Like that's just a fun thing people are doing because it's kind of trendy, which is cool. Well, and not just trendy, but a challenge. It's yeah. not even like a cool thing to do. It is a almost impossible thing to do. It's almost like doing a whole 30 or going right? without drinking for 30 days. Yes, I have seen some funny looks on faces whenever I mention not having your phone for a day. And I it's whenever I see those looks on faces when I'm like, really? Like you can't detach yourself. So let me talk about some of the things, some of the ways that I have detached um, and created some digital boundaries for myself as someone who loves the internet and who loves the digital world at time. So one of the first things that I implemented, and it drives my mother insane, is that my ringer is never on my phone. Same. Mine isn't on at all. And even now I can hear the vibrate. Like I've I don't even vibrate. See, I'm about to turn that off. Mm -hmm. I don't even vibrate. (laughs) I don't even have my vibrator on. Um, (laughs) I cannot, I do not know when something is happening on my phone. Ever. And this is actually, I recently needed to turn my ringer on because my grandmother was going to call. And that's the only time I'm ever going to co- turn my ringer on. And um, I didn't know how to do it. <laughs> like, I had never turned my ringer on this phone that I currently have that I've had for about two years. I had never done it. So um, I do not have a ringer on my phone. Um, It's never on. And I have very few notifications. So the only apps that I allow notifications to come through are like calls and text messages and and Slack because the team is on Slack. And we'll talk about that more a, a little bit in a second. But not having a ringer on my phone, not having a thing in my hand or in my pocket that can distract me whenever it pleases or whenever, you know, the world pleases has been huge for me being able to stay focused on my quote unquote real world life, even though my online life is just as real world as the real world. Um, But nothing that's happening in the digital world can interrupt any moment that I'm having with my family or with myself or, or whatever it may be. I love that. And I think I'm the same way whenever it comes to my ringer and not having my phone on in that way. I don't sleep with my phone next to me. So if someone's texting me in the middle of the night, I don't know. I won't know until the morning. Yeah. Whenever I look at I'll my phone. I'll know whenever no I deal. have a moment to pause and like take in that information. And I find that because of that, I'm able to be more attentive. I'm able to give better responses. I'm also better able to filter. Whenever you have a ringer on, you're consistently being reactive to the noise or, you know, the vibration or whatever it may be. Um, But I can be super proactive about when my attention is on my phone. 
Um, and it's so funny because you used to leave your house to do things and people, if they couldn't get a hold of you, they couldn't get a hold of you. They would leave a message that you wouldn't get until you're back home. So it's kind of like, what's the equivalent of that now? And I will say on the flip side of that being, you know, your friend, like I, I'm texting you now more than ever, but it's nice knowing, I think because I know that you don't have your ringer or your alerts on, that it's not going to be distracting you from whatever you're doing, that you'll get to it whenever you get to it. And it almost makes me feel like I can text you more knowing that it's not a distraction. Yeah, good. I'm glad to hear it because some people are annoyed by it. Like I've literally had people in my life be annoyed that they can't easily um, get in touch with me. Usually again, my mom and I love her very much, but like moms just want to talk to you when they want to talk to you for sure. And she's actually even sort of been trained to call David. Like if she really needs me. Oh my gosh, my family does the same thing. They call Jeremy if they need me. Yeah, because she knows I won't answer my phone. Um, I have had people be appalled by that. Um, I don't care. (laughs) I just don't. What about you, Kathleen? So one of the first times I felt the need to establish digital boundaries was around online gossip. So I was a huge fan of those like just Jared websites. There's a couple other. I can't even remember the names of them. But like, oh, Perez Hilton was one of them. Yep. Like just those online celebrity gossip and even gossip magazines. I used to love those, but obviously those are print. But the digital version of those, I was kind of a fan of. And then I remember I was at the very first designer vacay and my friend Megan Gilger, who has a blog called Fresh Exchange, she was like, oh, I saw you on insert name of very popular hater website that I won't mention the name of. She was like, oh, I saw you on that website. You had like 13 pages dedicated to how much people hate you. And I was devastated. It was the first time I had even like really heard of this website. I didn't really know what it was. I went back to my hotel room and read it. I made Jeremy read it. And I just... I felt sick about it. I felt really misunderstood. I felt really sad. I was totally affected and bummed out by it. And that's whenever, though, I realized like, oh, wow, if I didn't even know about this, my life right now would be so much better. So from that point on, I established a boundary of I will never read that stuff ever again. And that even kind of applies to our ratings and reviews now for iTunes and for our book and I really do appreciate the good ratings and reviews and but at this point I'm not reading any of it because I want to be able to create what I create without being affected by the negative stuff obviously but that also means I can't be too boosted or affected by the positive stuff as well like I'm so glad that it resonates but I just have to almost cut myself off from all feedback so I had to really create some boundaries around that and that also meant No more consuming the celebrity gossip because I was like, oh, wow, these are people, too. And people are just constantly misunderstanding or talking trash or whatever. So drew drew some boundaries around all of that stuff. And it almost like brings me to today. So that was, I don't know, what, seven or eight years ago. And it brings me to today where I'm feeling like, you know, more than ever, as our li- as our lives are becoming more enmeshed in technology and you can be talking about something and be served an ad later on, like just this element of privacy is becoming more huge to me and I'm starting to see the importance of it. 
I think I was of the opinion like back in the day of like, well, privacy is kind of like overrated or like, why do you even need it? And I maybe becoming a mom has really shifted it for me where I'm really wanting to protect my kiddo. And we'll talk about that in a second, too, because I'm needing to like figure out some boundaries around that. Okay, but what else? What else for you? Any other digital boundaries that you've enforced? Yeah, a couple, a couple more. One is because I do look at a screen all day for work, I hardcore limit screen time outside of work. And it's not even so much like a proactive thing where I have to, where I have to like set these boundaries. I've also found like super intuitively, I don't want to look at a screen anymore. Like once I walk away from, from the computer. So, you know, one thing, one thing I do therefore is I don't watch a lot of TV, like even more or even less now than I used to. So I'm not watching a lot of TV. Whenever we're spending family time together, we're usually going for a walk or sitting on a porch or, you know, playing a guard, a card game. And part of this also recently came from David and I will occasionally like get into a show and watch all of them because Netflix. Um, and we had been watching the show and like I was almost doing it out of like duty to David where like he wants to sit down and watch TV. And I totally get that. It's relaxing all of those things. I don't necessarily want to. What I and what I realize is what I want to be doing is reading more books. Like if I'm actually feeling like I want to read more books and I'm spending my time instead doing something I don't really want to be doing, then girl's got to make a shift in her life, right? So I've made a very conscious decision lately to even scratch less screen time from my life for the purpose of indulging in things I want to do. And that for me being reading books. So for me, hardcore limited screen time. I obviously don't superimpose that on my family. Like Lily has screen time limitations, which we've talked about in another podcast for whole other reasons. David can obviously do whatever it is that he wants to do with his life. Um, but for me, I really only ever look at a screen when I'm working. You know what boundary I have in place around that is whenever it comes to books and TV, if I don't like a show or if I don't like a book, I'm not going to finish it. Like there's just not enough time. Yes. In my life. Yes, I have started too many TV series to get like half an episode in thinking I'm going to watch all these. It's going to be great and be like, nope, I will drop a show like a hot potato (laughs) with no like need of loyalty (laughs) at all. So I fill you with that. I like that. Okay, so I talked about, you know, creating this boundary around what I'm consuming and not consuming gossip websites. I also established some external policies and some external digital boundaries, probably in our Facebook group, which has also been like a whole other episode. But I really do feel like people, for the most part, if you can give them general guidelines of like, don't be a bad person, like be a good person, that they can really self-regulate. And I've even seen that in my own life and in my own family around screen time, for example. Like I'm a big fan of personal power and your personal ability to regulate, you know, who you are and how you are in the world. However, a lot of people, once they get behind a screen, will just spout off or not think about the other person on the other side of the screen, right? And so I think that whenever it comes to enforcing external boundaries, we'll get like some crappy comments. And if we actually reply and say like, well, hey, 
whatever, however we might respond, which is usually pretty level-headed, but also, like, I'm not going to take that. Like, kind of like a sticking up for ourselves a little bit while also being compassionate to the person, because obviously they're commenting from a place of hurt if they're writing a shitty comment or whatever it might be. But still saying, like, hey, this isn't cool here. Like, if you leave me a crappy Instagram comment, I'm going to delete it. Or if you leave me a crappy, you know, direct message, I'm probably going to block you. And so that's a boundary that I have no problem enforcing now because, again, there's just not enough, there's not enough good in the world right now. And so I'm going to be deleting any bad that comes my way. However, this is like a fine line boundary because there are a lot of learning moments happening in the world today. And so like if I accidentally say something offensive that like is, you know, truly like inappropriate um I will take that as a learning moment and I recently learned not to delete that stuff like it should be kept online so that like people can also learn from it I don't entirely know I don't know it it, this is like where there's that fine line like and I'm not saying anything like crazy offensive I'm thinking back to a moment I've talked about this on the podcast before where I posted a photo on my Instagram that said did I stutter And it was like of Lady Liberty, like holding. Right. It was a political statement. It's a political statement. And it was about the Muslim ban. Mm -hmm. I don't don't even remember. Like there's been so much political stuff happening. There's been so many moments when you need to ask that question. There's basically been like I could post something every day that's like out of anger. And this is coming back to digital boundaries as well. Like for me, in order, like my baseline is kind of pretty angry, like especially whenever it comes (laughs) to politics. Like I'm kind of an angry person. And in order to not be so angry, I've found that I've had to really create some boundaries around that stuff. Yes. Anyway, going back to that post, it was offensive to people who stutter. And I just didn't even think about that I was like oh my gosh and trying to make this like bold political statement I hurt some people's feelings I did take the post down because like I didn't want to continue to hurt feelings but I also went on my stories and apologized and said like wow that was a learning moment so I'm just using that as an illustration of what it was like to make a dumb mistake in public and to fix it right um but okay, so going back to the anger thing though, mm-hmm, I recently I recently deleted the news app and the Facebook app off of my phone. I realized that having, you know, boundaries around the content I was consuming was important because the world straight up is just making me angry right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I had to stop consuming it. And yeah. I found that like I'm able to do better work. I'm happier for my family. I'm happier for Um, anything that it is I'm creating and wanting to nurture. Because again, boundaries aren't just what you're saying no to. It's what you're saying yes to. And I want to be saying yes to creativity. I want to be saying yes to positivity. And I want to be the change, right? I want the world to be less angry, so I have to be less angry. And I think that there's certainly a place and a time for people who are angry and fighting in that way. I just know for me, it's like toxic. It's like poison in my soul. It might not be for everybody else, though. Like, I think that everyone has their place. I'm just not a warrior. I'm not a fighter. I am a lover, <laughs> and I need to create boundaries in which I can, like, nurture the lover inside of me. Yes. Oh, I love all of that. Because agreed, same here, where, you know, that news app was getting me riled up. 
every single day um, in a way that did not keep me like productive. And I feel like my productivity and obviously along with yours as well has the potential of, you know, creating and nurturing the space that has people doing good things. And if that for me, it was a a decision of if that impedes my ability to show up and do the work that I meant to do, then I'm going to delete an app or two off my phone for sure. And it doesn't mean that I don't consume news. It does not mean that I am unaware of what's happening in the world. It just means that I am setting aside a specific time and place for me to consume that content so that I can stay informed without consistently being bombarded with all the bullshit that's happening um because it is a lot and not even to say that it's you know more now than ever before but our access to information given digital technology is so much more um consistent and therefore in a lot of ways questionable that um that I feel like a lot of the information that is just being thrown at us needs better filters um So I filtered it, filtered the fuck out of it (laughs) for sure. So I'm right there with you. I think that I know for me too, setting that digital boundary and taking those steps did huge things for my ability to show up and do the work that I'm here to do. And again, it doesn't mean that I am, you know, being placated, that I am, um, that I'm not listening or watching. It just means that I'm being much more intentional about when and where I'm consuming that information. Yeah, I mean, whenever you look at Facebook and you look at these news sites that are attached to the news app on your phone, look at how those places are making money. They're making money with advertising. So the more sensational their headlines are, the more clicks they get, the more money they get. And so I think that, I mean, this isn't going to be a whole episode about politics or news (laughs) or journalism, but there is some like retooling that needs to happen there and It's going to start with being like really cognizant of where you put your attention because right now you're voting with your attention. Right. And your clicks. Literally your clicks. Yes. Literally your clicks. So again, I think it's important to be aware, but I think it's really important to be super specific and like discerning about where you're getting your information from and who's making money off of your attention. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. Okay. So next up, I feel heated, a little hot and bothered now, guys. (laughs) But like, this is why these digital boundaries are so important. Like to think that like what I'm feeling right now and the sweat of my body is what I was literally feeling every single day because I didn't have these boundaries in place is why I needed to cool it a whole lot. But let's talk about some some little easier things, maybe Uh, at least lighter Um, one is I've drawn some pretty hard, uh, pretty hard lines around taking occasional weekend days off from my phone. And usually, especially on the weekends, there's no computer happening because I'm not working. Um, So the phones is, my phone is my like tether to digital technology. I love going a day or two or a week or I have done a month or more before without a phone. Um, I'm always reminded of how beautiful life is when you don't have that piece of technology in your hand. I'm also reminded... Okay, wait, but I have a question. Yes. Do you use your phone for photos? I do. 
See, this is the I hardest know, part that for is the me hardest is that part. my phone has literally become my digital camera. Yes. And that that is absolutely a problem. And one I had bulleted down there on, on this list that we have. Um, because I agree. I think that the phone or the camera and Instagram, but that's even iffy most days as well, is the reason I still have my phone. I've really gotten to a point with my ability to disconnect from my phone that if not for the camera, I wouldn't have one. Like, I just wouldn't. And I wouldn't feel bad about it. And I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't feel like a grandmother. Like, you can call me whatever you'd like. Um, I'm feeling super done with my phone, except I really love having a camera. I know. I've been thinking about getting a point and shoot, like a little Canon. I used to have a Canon G10, so whatever the equivalent of that is now. I've been thinking about getting one. That's a good idea. Yeah. That is a good idea. Hmm. All right. So I um, have drawn boundaries. I feel like I've done a really good job of drawing boundaries around my email. It's super easy for me to like reply during normal hours. And even now, if I'm replying... I recently responded to an email at 2 a.m. It was while we were on our book tour. I had just flown from San Francisco to Oklahoma City, and I was on West Coast time. Well, I was kind of like on East Coast time, having gone to the West Coast and now in Central time. So, like, my time zones were <laughs> You didn't all know what time up. it was. I didn't know what time it was. I was giving a talk the next morning. I had a ton of slides to design and finish up and to send to the coordinator for the thing. And so I sent her an email at like 2 a.m. with my slides. And I was like, please ignore this timestamp. I'm not usually emailing this late. My time zones are jacked. But also because I have such strong email boundaries, I no longer feel bad if I'm emailing on the evenings or weekends because sometimes it happens. And I feel like I know that I'm breaking the rule that I've made for myself and that it's fine. It's no big deal. But for the most part, I think that my biggest email boundary that I'm kind of proud of is the fact that I don't feel the need to respond to everything like that's probably the newest iteration of this so before it was you know getting organized and properly tagging my emails and then it was having a system where I'm only checking them so many times a day now it's looking at my emails and if something doesn't warrant a response I'm just not responding to it yeah. I've also been unsubscribing to a lot of stuff lately. Good. Like just a lot of lists that I didn't ever remember subscribing to or things <laughs> right? that. Isn't it funny how that happens? Yeah. <sighs> Not funny, guys. Um, right. I think I think that creating boundaries around email and even text messages and phone calls and all of those things like people communicating with you is a really great first step for anyone who's wanting to like dip their toe into creating some digital boundaries for themselves. Just because someone texts you does not mean that it warrants an immediate response, if a response at all, honestly. Um, And I've sort of become notorious for not answering text messages. Like I have no problem just letting shit sit there with a little, a lot of people have problems with those little red dots on their like Apple iPhone apps. Not me. Like, most of my apps have a red dot on them, actually. Um, But I've gotten also really good at just trashing emails or, you know, not responding to things. And not that I'm not grateful for, you know, people sending me their thoughts or questions or whatever. It's just I literally don't have that much time in my life. And I have priorities greater than people I don't know emailing me or messaging me 
or um, even people I do know sending me emails that maybe don't have a clear call to action. Like, what am I supposed to be doing? If you want me to do things, make it clear. Um, If not, I have other things I need to be getting to. And that saying it like that almost feels snobby, but I'm not mad about it at all. (laughs) Yeah, that's huge. Like, if there's not a specific question or action in my email, it's not being responded to. Yeah. For sure. I can't. I would love I would love to have enough time in my day to literally interact with everyone who like crosses my path. But I don't. Fact. This Being Boss episode is brought to you by 2020, where creative entrepreneurs get authentic real world stock photos. If you're looking to tell a true story about yourself or your brand to deliver an honest message to your audience, the photos you use will matter. 2020 has crowdsourced millions of photos from a community of over 350,000 photographers, all available under a simple royalty-free license. Today, they're offering listeners of Being Boss a five-photo-free trial. To start yours right now, go to 2020.com slash beingboss. That's the word 20, then 20.com slash beingboss to get five free photos. Well, okay, so let's talk about where digital boundaries are a little less defined and really where you could use some more boundaries because that is one of mine. Like opposite of the haters, like I've been able to drop a firm line there. We get a lot of direct messages and emails from our bosses and listeners who want and need help. And I straight up want to spend like 30 minutes writing out an email or chatting via Instagram to give them a consultation and help them solve their problems, but I know it's distracting me from creating the content that will help hundreds, if not thousands of people who have the same problem. And it's funny because like my original blog that took me down this whole creative entrepreneur path was born out of people asking me about how to freelance or asking me about systems and processes around being a graphic designer. And so I was posting it to my blog because I was like, well, if I'm going to spend all this time, I remember I would spend all this time writing an email, hitting send, and maybe not even getting a thank you in return. (laughs) Right. And so I was like all butthurt about that. And so I started hitting or publishing my responses to the blog. And even like our business bestie conversations that you and I have, like we were seeing that these would be so much more helpful if we published them to a podcast and weren't just keeping it to ourselves. So I do value like generosity a lot and I struggle with wanting to be generous with my time and knowledge one person at a time and I think I need some boundaries there but I'm like so afraid of hurting someone's feelings or someone thinking that I'm dismissing them or that I don't care because I do I care more than anything it's why we've spent hundreds of hours hitting publish to these conversations yeah for sure um Right. And even after I just like let her spill with how I don't mind like deleting an email, I feel the same way. And that's even why I've had to get so comfortable not replying to things is because I literally just can't and not to the extent where I'm actually providing the kind of value that I want to. What I usually find is that like when I have a moment, like if something comes through and I feel it in my gut that this is something that I need to be speaking on to this person, you better bet you're going to get the best response of your life with bullet points and action like (laughs) action points um but I can't do that with all of them and for me it's just been like releasing all expectations 
I guess, where like I'm not expected to email all of them. And whenever I do respond, it's just a cherry on top. Um, That's sort of how I have to position it for myself. Or like even responding to people saying really nice things in our direct messages. We get a lot of nice comments in our direct messages on Instagram all the time and we usually respond with some emojis or some right. high fives. Emoji- Let's talk about emojis for communication for a second. <laughs> because I've definitely found, like, on some level, I'll send them and think, they probably just think I'm being a passive-aggressive asshole who's just, like, dismissing them with a heart. But legit, <laughs> I'm feeling that heart, and I'm sending it to you. So I do hope that no one ever feels that my hearts are um, are me just, like, pushing something under the rug. It's just, like, that's what you're getting from me. You're getting a heart, and it's real. Yeah, and I find that my digital boundaries are so connected to my energetic boundaries. And I'm often reading emails or love notes or whatever. If I do come across a positive review, I am feeling that. I am sending you love. I am thanking you. And I am going back to doing the work. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, and I also want to point out, you said a minute ago that you don't read the ratings and reviews and all of those things. Everyone should know that I do. <laughs> I am there reading them for sure and occasionally reading some to Kathleen or, you know, passing some along if I find if I find a particularly, you know, helpful piece of feedback or whatever. Um, but I am there reading them for sure. For us, <laughs> I'm there. Emily's got her eyes on it, y'all. So <laughs> I do, I do, and we I appreciate it. And same, like you know, we d- I- I'm reading them. We we're reading things. We're definitely feeling it. It's just that literally. I think here's the thing with the internet. <laughs> we can go there for a second. Mm-hmm. Is that it has given everyone the expectations. Their words require feedback, and that is simply not the case. You are speaking out into the vastest of the internet and not you're not always going to get a response. That doesn't mean that it's not hitting home and it does not mean that people are not feeling things for it, good or bad. Please remember that. Um, but you are not automatically gifted responses. Like you do not simply get them in return. So it's I think it's also I think it also requires a shift of mindset. And I think that will continue to happen as the Internet grows and matures. And by the Internet, like the community that is the Internet grows and matures. I feel like it's been in a very like adolescent phase for quite some time where everyone needs to share everything that's happening. My 10 year old does that, like verbally shares every action that's being taken Um but sharing everything and then expecting a response for everything that you share. That's quite adolescent behavior. And I think we're all like maturing beyond that. Thank goodness. You know, at the same time, though, I miss the really meaningful engagement and comments that we used to get on our blogs like 10 years ago mm-hmm. where people were it was more of like a conversation. Yeah. And so one of my favorite things to do is leave people really meaningful feedback. So, oh, my biggest pet peeve right now is on Instagram. I think it's automated. Ugh. I bet there's some sort yep. of software where people where like your account kind of crawls through other people's accounts, probably for hashtags or keywords, and will leave this like 
generic vague ass comments yeah and you know it's a robot and maybe even human beings who are going through copy pasting comments into everyone's feeds which is yeah like a fiverr like service like someone's paying someone in right to copy paste india to copy and paste comments i mean i really feel like that's the situation and so that stuff definitely does not warrant a response and so one of my favorite things to do is for people whose work i admire is to either leave a really meaningful comment about why I like their work or to leave a rating and review, which is even better because it helps them make more money doing the content that they love, the stuff that they're putting out there. So I really do like to tell people when I'm a fan of their work, but I don't respect or I don't expect a response in return. And so I just need to remember that for anyone who's sending us love notes is that they don't necessarily expect a response. Like I think that I'm self-imposing this expectation Mm. that like everything requires a response whenever it doesn't and no one else is putting that on me necessarily. No one's like, hey, why didn't you reply to this? I think I always just assume everyone thinks I'm a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, even just recently, I didn't reply to an email in my inbox for probably 12 days Mm -hmm. and it was from one of my autoresponder to my newsletter. And in that autoresponder, I do say, hey, hit reply and let me know what you're struggling with right now. Even that saying hit reply, like I am inviting people to come into my inbox. Even then though, They don't necessarily expect a response, but I feel obligated to respond most times and usually with something really quick like, hey, here's a blog post that you might like that would be helpful or here's a podcast episode that might be especially helpful for you Um, or, hey, thanks for letting me know what your challenge what your challenges are. I'm going to be sure to create content around that in the future. So those are kind of like my go to responses at this point. Um, But I finally responded to this email that had been sitting in my inbox for 12 days. And I was like, hey, sorry for the delayed response. Like, but also trying not to be too apologetic is important as well. Yep. And uh, she replied back and was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I got a response at all. I can't believe that a real human person, much less you, read it. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, it's to my email address. We read it. (laughs) Right. I know. I think. I mean, I also think of people, because we know people who literally respond to every email within minutes. I'm like, that's a thing. And on one hand, I totally admire those people. But on the other hand, like, I think this is just different for everyone. Like, everyone's going to have different boundaries. And I know that what's important to me is time not in my inbox. Like, that feels more important to me. I'm able to, like, juice up and get ready for the work that I have to do. Um, My inbox is not my happy place by any means. For some people, it is. Like, communicating with people in that way is. So I think it's just defining what's important to you and creating a boundary around that. I do, like, we do absolutely think that, you know, replying to people who send us nice messages is mandatory. High five. If you send us a question, like, we're probably going to either send you a short answer or a reference to something where we've already answered it or just not answer it because it's there if you just Google it or whatever it may be. Like everything for us warrants a different response. And we we do handle most things case by case as long as they fall within our boundary of of how it is that we want to communicate with people. And that's all how these digital boundaries work. Um, let's talk about other places where we may struggle because... I know I have one. Mine's real bad. It's not real bad. Uh, Mine's like using my phone in bed. 
So you don't plug your phone up next to your bed. I do. And let me tell you why. And I've thought about this all day because I knew I'd be talking about it with you. And I have to like, you're going to help me solve it. And I know how to solve it. So because I don't wake up with an alarm clock, I don't have an alarm clock in my room, which means I don't have a clock in my room. So the only way I'm going to know what time it is if I wake up in the middle of the night or whenever I wake up in the morning is if I look at my phone. Okay, I don't have a clock in my room either, and I never know what time it is. Okay, well, you know me. I need to always know what time it is. (laughs) Oh my gosh, can I tell our listeners? Go for it. Go for it. Okay, so we were recently on book tour, (laughs) and I didn't realize like how much Emily noted the time. (laughs) Literally, if... I all constantly Emily was telling me what time it was especially if there were the numbers four two and one in the time <laughs> she was telling me like oh it's 124 it's 241 it's 421 <laughs> I not I felt like non-stop and even after I got home at one point my husband goes it's 420 on 420 or something like right. that 421 I mean, on 421 <laughs> right so 421 is, was? is kind of my magic number <laughs> So it has been coming up a lot for me lately, and I do usually note it when it happens, but I never noticed how much I was doing it until you laughed at me a lot for it. (laughs) I mean, it was a lot. And so then my husband notes the time, and I was like, oh my gosh, why is everyone constantly telling me the time? And I never know what time it is. This is actually a boundary that I developed whenever I was going through like the big struggle of insomnia Mm -hmm. and sleep deprivation and fox waking up nonstop. it was almost depressing me to know what time it was so i had to get all the clocks out of my room so i just didn't care anymore right well see and my thing is i live with people who don't care what time it is but like (laughs) i actually that's a lie lily cares about what time it is more than anyone i've ever met in my entire life i guess david is really the one where like he would lay in bed all day but he's just kind of like a slow moving guy which is just who he is and it's fine but like if i want anything done i need to know what time it is okay so let me ask you a question you're waking up in the middle of night you grab your phone you see that it's 4 21 in the morning (laughs) yes what are you doing with that information going back to sleep knowing that I have like three more hours of sleep but you don't need an alarm clock like you do you do not right. need a clock <laughs> actually here is the solution is I do need a clock I just need a clock in my room like I just need a clock on the wall or something and then I, I think it should also be not digital I agree it should be a clock with arms I agree I completely agree numbers. with that but then I can't see it in the dark in which case what's the point anyway I'm figuring this out guys I'm going to solve my clock problem so that I don't need my phone next to me because then what happens is I'll wake up in the morning and like it's kind of starting to get light outside like do I have enough time to go back to sleep or do I need to go ahead and start getting up this is my like daily scenario I'll look at my phone and it's like you know 6 15 like too early to kind of get up really but like I have some time and oh look I got some notifications (laughs) and then there I am in my phone scrolling through god knows what at like 6 30 in the morning so this is this is my boundary issue is in bed okay could I challenge you to absolutely without your phone in your room just for two nights in a row (laughs) starting tonight yes I'll do it because I want to see what changes because I bet it's not much. (laughs) Probably not a damn thing. 
Right? Unless like I'll feel really bad if it gives you insomnia because you don't know what time it is and you don't know if it's like 5 a.m. or 2 a.m. Either- but either way, you're your own boss. You just get to keep on sleeping. If <laughs> just you don't go need back an to alarm sleep, clock. Right? That is always the answer is just go back to sleep. I agree. I agree. Fine. <laughs> I'll do <laughs> it. I'll do it. Okay, so the digital boundary that I'm struggling with, this is two parts. One is I am not sure where to draw the line when it comes to sharing stuff of my kid. Mm. And I felt really comfortable posting about him whenever he was younger. But now as he's getting older, this especially came to my attention whenever I posted. It was like that post your first headshot day. Mm -hmm. So I posted a headshot of whenever I submitted myself as a model to Seventeen Magazine. Perfect. It was a beauty. I was probably 13 or 14. And I got hundreds of DMs for people telling me that I look just like Fox. And the fact that people could respond and know that he is my twin. And like he is. Like we are basically identical. I basically cloned myself. But the fact that like people had that much facial recognition of my kid, and it's fine. I, I was actually super impressed that like I don't I can't tell whenever people look like other people at all. <laughs> Not a skill you have. <laughs> There's like every once in a while, like you'll make an expression where I can see Lily. Uh-huh. But I mean, even then, like I see you every day. Right. I don't know. So it was just kind of I kind of thought, okay, maybe I need to start drawing some lines. But also even just thinking about my own privacy and my own boundaries and kind of being freaked out more recently than ever before with speech recognition and facial recognition and people hacking into your cameras on your iPhones and on your computers and watching you work or do whatever you're doing, freaking me out. And so then I'm thinking, well, what's the world going to be like for Fox in 20 or 30 years where are his digital boundaries going to be? And at what point do I, you know, give him the free will to decide what those are? So that's kind of freaking me out a little bit. I don't know what to do about it. However, just two days ago, I deleted Instagram off my phone. So this is kind of solving some of my problems, but I don't know if it's a break. I don't know if I quit. I don't know if it's going to be a good reset where like almost like a whole 30 or something where whenever I come back, I'm like, OK, but now I know I'm allergic to sharing photos of my kid. <laughs> you know, right. like maybe I'll have I'll have drawn better boundaries and better lines around that kind of stuff. Um, so I deleted Instagram off of my phone because I do need a reset. I am entirely way too addicted. I spend so much time scrolling. And last night. I completely reorganized my entire junk drawer, which is something that I do not do. (laughs) But because I didn't have Instagram on my phone, I had like all this time to do adult grown up things. Yeah. Nice. Nice, nice. I I don't have an answer for for sharing kids. I err on the side of like not a lot. Um, And I think like most of these is just... I think everyone's going to be different. You've obviously always been the sharer of everyone that I know. You share. Um, But the thing that's always shaped how I share Lily, especially as she's gotten older, is I once read something about how, like, someone was referring to their kid, and I don't even remember who it was, but they were like, you know, her story is not my story to tell. And I remember thinking, hot damn, ain't that the truth? Because, like... I'm here to share my story, and I will share that story 
almost as much as you will though i don't think i'll ever will as much as you do kathleen (laughs) um but like hers isn't mine to share and so i like she'll make a make an appearance occasionally she wishes it was significantly more for sure (laughs) because what what our listeners don't know is that lily is actually my child yes (laughs) right so (laughs) kathleen and lily are the same person it's mind-blowing all the time. This is your karmic This is, I'm Dharma. here to learn and heal, for sure. <laughs> or whip you both into shape. We'll figure out which one it is. We'll see. We'll see. But, um, but Lily would like me to share her more. However, she doesn't have the experience or knowledge to make those judgment calls just yet. Um, so I don't share very much. And then obviously there are people who share even more and there are people who share in between and even less. I think everyone has their, everyone has to draw their own lines there. Okay. But in my two day experiment of not having Instagram and again, is, I it, is it back on your phone yet? No, I reinstalled it because I needed to do a being boss Instagram story. So I reinstalled it. I didn't know our password. I had to call Caitlin and get our password for our Instagram account. (laughs) I logged in. I did the Instagram story and then I answered a few direct messages and then I Uh logged out and deleted it back off of my phone. So it is not on my phone. I think that we were recently chatting. It was probably Paul Jarvis. I feel like this is something that he would do where (laughs) he was telling us that he has to reinstall it and log in and like double authentication log in in order to share something on Instagram and then he'll take it back off. So I think that if I really have something to share, I might do it that way. I didn't give anyone but, a warning or a heads up. I kind of just ghosted. I, I'm still DMing you, so you'll have some presence whenever you can. Or they'll just be in. gone. I will never see them. Right? Um, or maybe. So, okay. So here's what I've noticed with this Instagram thing that I'm doing. I have been walking around living my whole life in Instagram captions. Like, oh. And blog post stories before that. Yeah. And in some ways, like, that's good. Like, I don't yep. know that I would have gone to Mount Everest without having a blog to talk about it on. Like, it's definitely an impetus for living a big life so that I can share a big life. Like, that's something that I want. And also, like, elevating the mundane. Like, that is something that's always been really meaningful and important to me is like seeing the meaning in the little moments as well and I feel like Instagram is especially a place where you can share those little moments right but like even yesterday um my kiddo asked me after I picked him up from school he was like can we go to a graveyard because he's definitely my child (laughs) yeah I go yeah we can go to a graveyard so we go to a graveyard And I bust out my camera and I take some photos of him and I start thinking about an Instagram caption. And it was like I almost went to go post it on Instagram and Mm -hmm. oh yeah, I don't have Instagram. So now who do I share this with? Like who do I send it to? And if you don't share it, did it even happen? Did it even happen? Well, I ended up texting it to, you know, Jeremy. So Fox's dad, my husband. I, I sent it to him and then I started thinking like since I've moved to Detroit my family doesn't really call me very much. And one time I didn't post to Instagram stories and my mom was like, your Instagram is broken. And I was like, no, mom, I just haven't posted. And it kind of makes me wonder if I feel like a lot of my nearest and dearest feel like they're interacting with me by looking at my Instagram because I do share so much. But the truth is I'm not getting that exchange right like I'm not getting to interact with them even though they feel completely 
satisfied by how much they're interacting with me by watching my Instagram. So in some ways, I'm hoping that it will help me reconnect to some of my friends and family that like I actually want to talk to or even text with, right? So like I'm cool with texting. It's fine. I just want there to be more of an exchange. Yeah. That's beautiful. I guess. I agree. I hope you get that. I hope you get that. And one thing I want to talk about really quick is you're talking about Paul or, or or whoever it was who said that. It was probably Paul. Around Shirley. Probably, it sounds like him for sure. <laughs> um, this idea of like logging in, posting the and leaving. And what's the point of adding content to a platform if you don't consume content on a platform? This is how I feel about like automating Twitter. So this is something that yep. we've done for a long time is automate and push our content to Twitter. But we are really not on Twitter at all. Like Twitter mm-hmm. is all but gone and I've been totally fine with it. But now I'm starting to feel that way about Facebook and about Instagram. Yeah. Like what's the point if we're not really engaging? Right. And that's just something for everyone to think about for sure. Um All right, let's start wrapping this up a little bit because all the things. I think whenever it comes down to creating digital boundaries, what Kathleen and I have done is we've pulled really what has sort of become like a foundational like exercise of being boss and allowed that to help us define how it is that we show up in the digital space, when and where and how we're here. And we've done that by looking at what it is that we value and if the things that are going on on our phone or computer or in our like online community or whatever doesn't align with what we value, we scratch it and we don't feel bad about it. So Kathleen, your values and digital boundaries. How are they lining up? So I think that a big value that keeps coming to mind lately has been reliability. So whenever it comes to the content that I'm consuming, I want it to be really reliable. So not only in frequency, but in quality and all of the things. So this actually kind of makes me think about, I'm going to come back to the Instagram thing because one thing that Melissa Griffin does is she doesn't follow anybody. And I think that comes back to your question of like, what's the point if you're not engaging? But I think it really is interesting how she almost uses it as a way to re-engage with the kinds of content or people that she wants to follow. So like she'll delete everybody and then slowly refollow. And I think that that's pretty brilliant. I'm a little too Mm. chicken to do it now, but who knows? Maybe after I come back onto Instagram, I will delete everybody and refollow as necessary. I also really like bookmarking different accounts and like going to them when I want to. So kind of like text messages and all the things that we've talked about. Okay, sorry. I just went on a tangent backwards. (laughs) But coming back to values, I think um, reliability is a huge one to me. So I want to be reliable and I want to consume reliable content. Also, a big one for me has always been authenticity. And I know that that's a word that has been used a lot, but whatever. It still resonates with me, which is the importance of values. Like it really has to resonate with you. So for me, it's authenticity. And in my own sharing boundaries, like sometimes I want to play the game and be like other Instagrammers. Uh, in a super compelling way that is designed to connect with a broad and wide net of people. I want to have like 
all of my photos looking exactly the same so that whenever you hit my page, you're like, oh, this is beautiful and consistent. Subscribe. Because like you all, it's like just a psychological game for the most part. But I cannot fake it. And I really refuse to. So whenever it comes to my own Instagram content, it's going to like look the way that it looks. Or my emails. I'm constantly challenging myself and even us. Like how could we say this in a way that feels more like us? And that is where I draw the line. Like I'm constantly wanting my content to reflect who I actually am and that's a challenge like it's not easy because you're consuming content that sounds really cool and you're like what if I tried on that voice for size or sometimes you don't even really know who you are and you have to explore who that is with your content Um, but for me at this point in my life I feel like I kind of know my voice and if I'm writing something I can feel when it's not true or when it could be more honest or more authentic and that is a boundary for me that I'm constantly like pushing up against and exploring where it's at how about you I love that everybody just sit with that for a second (laughs) just a second yeah it makes me think about like in middle school I used to be kind of bummed out because I never really wanted to be popular. I didn't really care about that, but I did want to be liked, if that makes sense. And I remember my mom telling me, like, you you want people to like you for who you are, not for who you're pretending to be. And so that's how I am in business, too. I want to attract people who like yeah, us. going to be who she is. <laughs> But I mean, what else is there? What yeah. else is there? And I think not that, anything that's any fun. That's the hard part is like figuring out who you are and really exploring that and being open to change and evolving along the way. And doing that in front of a bunch of people can be super embarrassing as someone who's been publishing content online for the past 10 to 15 Decade. years. Like, yeah. 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 All right. What about you, Emily? For sure. All right. So I have a couple too. One, one of mine is freedom. Like freedom is like, one of those hardcore core values that I have and nothing makes me feel less free than the tether of my phone of like having that tether to the digital world in my pocket at times and that's why I don't have a ringer that's why I don't have most apps um, that's why most apps don't have notifications turned on that's why, you know, I haven't like dove into so many things. So like for someone who has been on in the online world for so long, I actually like I, I'm just on the surface, guys. Like I haven't dove into many places and especially not in a really long time. Like I just don't have time for it. So for me, freedom is one of the biggest ones. And, you know, it is that sort of like top level place that even gets me a lot like as an online online business owner my team is online like everyone's remote so I have to be on my computer or on my phone um but what I do find is that by occasionally breaking from it by you know spending a day or a weekend or a whole week without my phone that's what I'm reminded that I'm in this relationship with digital technology by choice like I can absolutely live without it life is still beautiful without it all of those things but I absolutely also do choose to live in the digital world in the way that I do but breaking that tether occasionally is how I remember that. I feel like another challenge is that you should take Slack off of your phone or turn off notifications. 
I would probably never come to my desk. <laughs> like a lot of times Slack is like a reminder that I need to go to work. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. See, kind for me, of. it's I only access Slack and the team and my email and all of that mm-hmm. through my laptop at my desk. Yeah. Like a lot of times, especially in the morning, like I'm going to take a long morning if at all possible, especially like weeks when we have really long like meeting days or whatever. I'm going to take a long morning. And it's usually like the thing that usually nudges me into the office is seeing the team get at it on Slack. And I'm like, okay, I got to get to work. If not, I might not come to work. That's interesting. <laughs> okay, we'll have to chat more right. about that in a later episode. What are some of your we other definitely, values? We definitely can. Um, so creativity is another one of mine. I have kind of been dying to get an iPad Pro. However, Ooh. however, I know I feel more creative when I'm like hands on something. Whenever I'm like pen to paper or making a thing or whatever it is so that's one of the it's one of the things that's really helped me create these digital boundaries or like even like how much I'm in my inbox like I can't design a damn thing if I am answering every single email that lands in my inbox all day long so for me like making space for creativity and like putting myself in the places where I can be most create creative is how I have um it's how I've been able to create the boundaries that I have. And then also my final one. Oh, wait, can I say something about creativity oh, yeah, real yeah. quick? Yes, please So do. it made me think about like my relationship with Instagram and blogging and podcasting. Like my ways of sharing, sharing is a value of mine, I think. Like really not just being authentic, but then sharing that, sharing who I am with the world. I think it's in my like in my star chart, it is just who I am. I want to express and show up and be seen. So for me, though, being really comfortable with not just my digital boundaries, but my sharing boundaries and evolving those for the ways that fit best with me. And so maybe right now my feelings with Instagram and Facebook and kind of more of the social media side of things is that the internet has gotten so noisy and creativity has become so accessible that I want to like push the line a little bit more and get more creative. It's like once I've mastered something a little bit, I want to try the next thing. So it's like blogging. I felt restricted by that. I was feeling misunderstood. I felt like I couldn't really find my voice. So then we started podcasting and I was like, yes, this is it. Like we can have a good conversation. I could do this all day, have conversations about creativity and boundaries and all the things. And so I think with Instagram, it's like maybe just my sharing boundaries have shifted a little bit. And I'm like, eh. I'm kind of almost even bored by it. Like maybe that's the situation, but I do, whenever you were talking about the iPad Pro, I am really craving wanting to start a YouTube channel and more specifically like as a way of storytelling or I have this dream of doing stand-up comedy, but I don't know that I necessarily want to be on a stage doing stand-up. So it's just comedy in general. And maybe you just want to be funny and make people laugh. I just want to make people <laughs> laugh. And maybe I can do that from the comfort of a YouTube channel. So yeah. anyway, I bust out my iPad Pro the other day and was trying to edit a movie on it and it was not working. That made me think of that. <laughs> but it also made me think of like how we're creating and how we're sharing is going to evolve and to constantly mm-hmm evolve with that and let that expression show up in different ways and especially in the online world in the digital spaces it's only going to evolve more quickly and more quickly as time goes on so yes open to that change all day so my last one though is self-reliance because 
I think we've all become pretty reliant on digital technology. And so I'm consistently have to remind myself that I can find my way without the map app. Like I'm capable of doing that. Geographer here. I'm capable of doing that. Or that I can make something yummy for dinner without using Pinterest. Or that I can dress myself without knowing exactly what the temperature is. <laughs> Whatever it may be. Like I have to consistently remind myself that I don't need my phone to be interesting or funny or competent or any of those things. Like I don't need technology to make me me. That is so funny because there are days where I check the weather on my app rather than going outside. Like I could just go outside. Me too. (laughs) Well, and also on our book tour recently, Kathleen got introduced to how much I use Alexa. (laughs) Because the Airbnb we were staying in did not have an Alexa. And I'm always apparently talking to Alexa. So I would occasionally just think about it and say, hey, Alexa. And then remember or not remember that she's not there. Do you and Alexa talk about the time a lot? Do you have a lot of conversations about what time it is? I never ask her what the time is. Usually the weather. Honestly, David and Lily talk to Alexa significantly more than I do. It drives me insane, actually. Um, But we do talk about the weather a lot. That's hilarious. Okay, so I've got some mantras for digital boundaries that I want to share before we hang up. Before we hang up, what an antiquated we're term! Of phone now, <laughs> sitting in a chair next to the wall, okay, playing so- with the cord. So one of my favorites is "Not my monkeys, not my circus." This is like an old Polish proverb, and I love this one whenever I'm on Instagram and I'm reading through someone else's drama, like. Okay, most recently. Uh, that's a digital boundary I have. I'm not going to share when I am at an elevated emotion. <laughs> so if I'm too angry or too pissed or I have something just simply that doesn't add something good to the world, ain't got time for it. Well, like, and you know, more recently, a self-help quote unquote guru had a launch that was super controversial. And I found myself like digging into it and just reading more and more and like falling down a rabbit hole but even like I can fall down this rabbit hole reading through the comments of like I don't know Gwen Stefani's Instagram just dumb stuff like that and I have to remember not my monkeys not my circus and that helps me stay focused and stay out of any sort of appealing shiny drama (laughs) appealing shiny drama (laughs) but you're the only person that's ever called it that All right, so some other things recently that I've been asking myself is because of the anger issue, is it kind, (laughs) is it necessary, and is it true? Right, and if it's it's not one of those things, I think it should be all three, (laughs) not just one, all three, don't share it on the internet. Jeez Louise, guys. Another one is don't email or say anything, especially now with your phone listening to you all the time, that you wouldn't want anyone else to see or hear. And so this is more of just like a, this isn't actually about your phone listening to you because I do believe in privacy and I do believe being able to vent to your business bestie or to your partner. Um, But whenever it comes to like professionalism, be careful whenever you're emailing about someone else. Like I think that for me, it always makes me be more compassionate or give the benefit of the doubt whenever it comes to what I'm emailing or typing in Slack. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, you should never say something that you wouldn't want 
read back to you. <laughs> so I recently um, got this advice really specifically from someone who was using our brand name for one of their programs and we had to send them a cease and desist and really thinking about like, okay, if this person republished this letter, how would that look to the internet? You know, and so it's really right. easy to want to get riled up and angry whenever you feel like someone has taken something away from you or you feel there's like this injustice and that was our example of like okay you can send them a cease and desist but make sure that you'd be okay with this being blasted across the internet like so that's a very specific example but I think it can apply to a lot of different things so like even the conversations that you're having in Facebook groups or wherever just remember like it could be shared for sure and I think this all just also comes down to you know, knowing what your priorities are and what it is that you value and taking stock of all of those things and finding out where, you know, digital technology and all the wonderful things that it does may be on encroaching on things that are important to you. For us, you know, we've been living in this world for so terribly long that I think we've, I think we are probably a little further along than a lot of people and probably a lot of people listening to this. And, you know, the internet can be a really awful, scary place to fall into. But I also know from experience that whenever you create the right kinds of boundaries around it and, you know, you're using it as, you know, a tool for good or whatever it may be, you have the opportunity to reap like really great benefits for both the business that you're building online and even like the personal life that you're building online. I mean, I've made so many friends on the internet, um, but you're also able to super nurture your real world life, quote unquote. Um, the things that you do when you're not looking at your phone or the things that you do whenever you're not sitting in front of your computer because I still believe even after all these this time that I spend the time on the internet that I do for what happens when I'm not on it. Amen. All right, so look at all of the places where you are spending time online. If there's a screen in front of your face... <laughs> track where it is that you're Mm -hmm. spending that time and note if you need any boundaries around that so for me it was like looking at where I was spending the most time or where I was feeling the most anxious when I was online and really establishing boundaries around that so years ago it was around gossip sites then it was around my inbox right now it's around Instagram so look at where you're spending the most time and do you need boundaries around it and then do the work (laughs) As per usual, define those boundaries and then do the thing. End of story. Bye. Really, <laughs> <laughs> this is the day I'm just being bitchy. How do we say bye? Bye. It's like hanging up with your boyfriend, you know? Right, this like is why we have an school. outro. Though. There's an outro that says bye for us. <laughs> right? Bye. I don't know how to hang See up. See you later. I'll miss you all. Love you. We need some boundaries. I'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) Hey, bosses. I want to tell you about the CEO Day Kit. The CEO Day Kit is 12 months of focused planning for your business in just one day. So Emily and I have packaged up the exact tools that we've been consistently using for years that have helped us grow from baby bosses to the CEOs of our own businesses. Gain clarity, find focus, get momentum, prioritize your time, make better decisions, and become more self-reliant with the CEO Day Kit. Go to courses.beingboss.club to learn more and see if it's a fit for you and your business. 
We'd like to give a shout out to our partner, FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. You can try it for free for 30 days, no credit card needed, and cancel anytime. Just go to freshbooks.com slash beingboss and enter beingboss in the how did you hear Special thanks to our sponsor, 2020, who is offering our Being Boss listeners a five-photo-free trial. To start yours right now, go to 2020.com slash beingboss. That's the word 20, then 20.com slash beingboss to get five free photos. Thank you for listening to Being Boss. Find articles, show notes, and downloads at www.beingbosshouse. Thank you so much to our team and sponsors who make Being Boss possible. Our sound engineer and web developer, Corey Winter. Our editorial director and content manager, Caitlin Brame. Our community manager and social media director, designer, Jessica Bramlett. And our Bean counter, David Austin. With support from Braid Creative and Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week.